Would Martin Luther King Jr. have made the same incredible mark on our society that he did if Rosa Parks had never boarded the bus? How would FDR's effect on the landscape of the U.S. have looked without the involvement of his indomitable partner, Eleanor? Zooming in from nationwide influence to focus in on who gets what done and how in our teams, our schools, and our workforce? It's time to examine the impact of the introvert. Welcome to the Grounded Learners Guild, the podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your hosts, Casey Veach, Emily Coakland, and me, Jenny Labrie. Many people tend to think of the most influential people in our society as outwardly driven, highly motivated, and with well-polished leadership and interpersonal skills. In short, extroverts. In that oversimplification, you lose the nuance of individuals. One neglects to recall some of our greatest influences, an Albert Einstein, a Steven Spielberg, a Rosa Parks, or a Bill Gates, all introverts. Even think of pop culture like a pop culture playground this summer. For every Alexis and Moira Rose and their bombastic humor, you need a David or a Stevie's quiet snark. So this episode goes out to anyone who's ever felt more like a Garth than a Wayne, or more of a Coach Beard than Ted Lasso. You may not be so overt with your energies and how you engage with the world, but we see you and we know what you're going through. So it's our intention with this episode that we throw some light on the folks who ask for it the least, our introverted learners and colleagues. This is an episode dedicated to highlighting those strengths, clearing up the misconceptions that surround the introverts among us, and sharing some ideas for extroverted folks and for the introverts themselves in helping them operate in the extroverted world that we inhabit. So first off, I want to give kudos to the resource that we used primarily as we were drafting this episode. Full disclosure, we came up with this idea on our own without any sort of outside influence. We wanted to do an episode all about how introverts operate in an extroverted world. And I just so happened to start reading at the same time a book called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. So this book is by Susan Cain. She was a former lawyer or litigator or negotiator and eventually moved into this realm of speaking about the power of being an introvert and the skills that we bring to the table. So kudos to Susan Cain for her great book. If you have not read it, definitely pick it up. But let's first start off. How do we know that this world is built for extroversion? One of the things I think about is you hear a lot about sharing and oversharing even, that there's so much engagement with people both digitally and even in the struggles that people had during the pandemic, just staying in and being quiet and being alone even, that this was a really hard time for a lot of people and that there tends to be a snap in the opposite direction in favor of extroversion. But beyond that, I've felt like it's been built for extroverts for quite some time even. Our culture really does thrive on the idea of production, tangible production, where you can see it, you can hear it, you can feel it, you know it's existing. And when it's something that's a little bit more internalized or it has something to do with more of that 
metacognition going on in your head or that internal reflection that's not overtly seen, I guess I question if sometimes people are like, they don't know what to do with that. You make a really good point. As educators, too, so much of our goals and the things we strive for are all things that are measurable. And some of those things are just not measurables in and of themselves. Well, and you measure by the outward actions, right? So if you are standing in the middle of a room, your eyes are instantly going to go to the people talking, the people engaging, moving from group to group, or any sort of laughter that you hear in a room. It doesn't always go to the people that are standing in the corner. Those people are really intentionally trying to be invisible. Hi, speaking from yeah, speaking from experience. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we should probably out ourselves. We are all introverts in this circle. I'm usually the one petting the dog in the corner because they have a dog. Hi, dog. Yes, yes, yes me too. <laughs> and it's so interesting when I share with people that I am an introvert, and they'll say things like, "Well, you have a podcast. How does that even work?" And it's because. When we're doing this podcast, we're talking just the three of us. We're hoping people listen, but (laughs) technically I'm alone right now and you two are just kind of here with me. So this is an introverted paradise in the sense that, yeah, I'm by myself in my basement alone and it just so happens that I'm pushing out this content into the world. What's also really interesting, and this comes back to Susan Cain's book, she says that Prior to 1960, once we have the rise of madmen ad agencies and marketing firms, that sort of thing, the way our culture was built was centered around character. You lived your life according to these higher values, higher aspirations, and it was less important the way other people perceived you. Once you flip and look at some of the advertisements that occurred after 1960, she says that we shift into the culture of personality, where it's all about reshaping who you are to become that person that people want to talk to. That's how you define success, is if people can remember you and what you stand for after meeting you for the first time. You want to make a really good first impression. That's where all that came from. And when you think about the way our systems are set up, the pandemic and technology has helped introverts succeed a little bit more in that realm. But for a long time, it was that first impression could make or break you. And for us introverts, it's not always the first impression that gives you the best impression. It's true. It's sad to say so, but I think that a lot of people can make assumptions even just about somebody's quietness, they're stuck up, or they're shy, or they're scared, or whatever the case may be, that the assumptions that people make about a person who doesn't jump in and lead with personality, like you said, right away, unfortunately, bite the introverts in the butt. Well, I think that's a perfect segue into our next section is the misconceptions about introverts. So I've already shared one, and that's the podcasting idea, is we can still engage with people. We're not all just these hermits that tell people <laughs> to get off our lawns. <laughs> it's that's not, a curmudgeon. I think. Right? <laughs> We're not people avoiders in this sense. We just like our people, and it takes a lot of energy for us to be more in that moment. Yeah, that makes me think about our episode that we just recently dropped about 
when we typify your personality, Emily initially thought, Jenny, you're an extrovert because she saw me in the light of working with people and being very blue and liking to be with people. But it's not that you don't want to be with people when you're an introvert. And that's where I had to talk through that with Emily. And we really did determine and land on that I was an introvert is that I need to go home and be quiet and to reflect and be alone to recharge and get that energy back. Because when I am extroverting, because you're still capable of doing that, it is exhausting. It's tiring. It's something that requires a lot of mental work to be able to engage in that way. And so introverts like people, they just need to be alone to recharge. Right. I would even add to that, Jenny, I think that part of the reason I was so, I guess, confused as to your extroversion at the time was you were serving in a role as a classroom teacher, too. I fell victim to one of those misconceptions. And again, that idea of not just like avoiding people in general, but even avoiding people heavy careers, when in fact, many people who educate entire classrooms upon classrooms of kids or adult learners year after year, many of them are introverts. And like you said, it's more about how they recharge their batteries and how they reflect and how they think and how they plan and less about their ability to engage with other people when the time calls for it. And really, extroverts are recharged by conversation. Mm -hmm. Those were the people that really struggled in the pandemic because if they lived alone, they didn't have that energy recharge that they get from talking to other people and engaging with other people. So yeah, I think that really is the biggest misconception. If you haven't had any experience with introversion and extroversion, it's how that battery gets refilled. And it's interesting that you even say that, Casey, like if you haven't had any experience with, but I would wonder or even argue that everybody has had experience. Maybe we're just not paying as close attention. And the three of us often do because we talk about this stuff a lot. But if you're listening today and you're thinking like, oh, I haven't really paid attention. I wonder what I am and or I wonder who I'm married to or I wonder who my sister is or I wonder what my kids are like. Start paying attention to those things and you're going to really see those types of qualities present themselves when you're paying attention. One of the things that I love that you just mentioned, Jenny, is I've started to do that same action, right? Reflecting on the people that are closest to me and how they get their energy so that when we're in a moment of high tension or someone's had a really rough day, I can better converse or talk to those people. Like I've had a rough week this past week and I prepared my family that when I get home on Friday, you cannot ask me anything about my day because I was doing a series of presentations up talking in front of people and that truly drained my introverted battery and so I really think that that's true you have to know the people in your life what preference they have to better be supportive and meet them where they're at you mentioned how hard the pandemic must have been on extroverts. And I say must have because us three introverts were kind we of were great. We, we were kind of great like, living in our sweatpants on the couch and uh, <laughs> maybe podcasting from afar. However, I guess I knew it, but didn't really, really see how it impacted an extrovert until I recognized in my husband how much of an extrovert he is mm-hmm. and the toll it took on him you could just tell he was sick of being home. It was just hard for him. We talk so much about we need to recharge at home and by ourselves and being reflective as an introvert. He wasn't recharging from people and that dynamic environment with people that bring him up and help him feel his best self. It's just an interesting way of looking at that.
that that I had never seen in him. Yeah, certainly shed a lot of light on people's introverted or extroverted proclivities. There's nothing like a forced move into one of those worlds or another to really bring to light some of the specific needs that one of them would have. Maybe we're going to end up having to do an episode about extroverts now, too, in the (laughs) post-pandemic world. Sorry, guys, we're coming for you eventually. Our next segment really is for all the introverts out there. It's to remind us what our superhero powers are. So being that we exist in a world that values extroversion, it's important for us as introverts to notice and name what amazing skills we bring to our workplaces, to our families, and to any organization. Because sometimes we may not feel that those behaviors, those things that we bring, are noticed and valued. So in your guys' experience, what are some kick-ass qualities that introverts bring to any workplace or any learning environment? I would almost say planning and reflection tend to be some skills that introverts bring to the table. So I think of this idea of like, introverts think very hard before they speak. They think very Mm -hmm. hard after they speak. It's not that they never speak. It's that so much more, like you mentioned, that mental energy prior to and after. But when you think about that in the context of learning or engaging with people, we're talking about planning. We're talking about reflection, which are both really important, like Jenny had mentioned earlier, metacognitive skills. For me, I've seen this in my husband. Introverts are incredibly persistent. They are less likely to give up on something when they experience a setback or a problem. They're really good at staying true to the course and working through a problem from beginning to end. I've seen that with my husband. He has spent hours and hours trying to figure out or work a problem from start to end. And it's something that many of us introverts need to recognize is actually a skill that we have. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I do think that's something that a lot of people are trying to work for, especially as a SEL-based skill to build in students to be more internally motivated and internally driven, where I think that that does come more naturally to the introvert. Along those same lines is that idea of flow. And Casey, you talk about this a lot. You get into that mindset where you're like, dang, don't interrupt me. I'm in my space. (laughs) I'm in a flow state right now. And I've got to ride this flow or ride this wave through it because there's a lot of stuff in flow state that an introvert can leverage to produce their best work. Additionally, as introverts, and this comes directly from Susan Cain's book, she uses the phrase quiet fortitude. So for example, if you're talking about the civil rights movement, she brings up this example. Martin Luther King was already on this road to being a great orator and being this great speaker and being this figurehead for the civil rights movement. But if you recall Rosa Parks being a part of that bus boycott, she was a quiet, respected woman in her community. And eventually she said no. Introverts, when we do speak up, it means something. And so if you're in a system that has an introvert who is saying, wait, stop, we need to think about this, you need to listen to that person because they really are stepping outside of their comfort zone and they're seeing things differently. So many leaders in education are political masters. They're very extroverted. They're charismatic. 
But when you have those quiet leaders within your system saying, stop, no, let's think about this, we're taking an unnecessary risk, they're demonstrating that quiet fortitude. And just like Rosa Parks did, people listened. Martin Luther King was not going to be as successful as he was without her there with him side by side partnering together. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that too, because one of the things we mentioned in the intro too, introverts and extroverts, we need each other. Right. We need each other for that balance. Those among us who are introverted might want a more charismatic Martin Luther King type leader, just a total social dynamo out there bringing the message and really driving it home but behind every good extrovert there's an introvert in some way someone on their team or in their guild or in their life that helps them think things through and reflect and just that learning partner for them i like to think it's their coach but you know (laughs) bias (laughs) well speaking of coach i'm going to make a slight segue to teacher So oftentimes in our classrooms, and I was just as guilty of this in my own classroom, I really stressed the significance of participation. I remember telling my students that if a college professor knows your name, you are more likely to do well in that professor's class, and that's by speaking up. Harvard Business School makes it a part of their program where their students have to engage in really high stakes conversation and discussion. The question then becomes, what learning environment are we then creating for our more introverted, quiet students? I think that ties back into what we were talking about of what society and culture value at this moment in time. And is there potential for it to shift a little bit or to be more inclusive of different types of interaction and how it could play out as still being successful, even if it's not as overtly charismatic or in your face. Well, and eyes open, folks. What a moment in time to be alive and to see the ways society shifts. Like we've already mentioned a couple of times in response to the pandemic, so many different industries have learned what can happen when people are working from home or when quiet people are allowed to work quietly on their own. And production in many ways still occurred. And some of the messages and things that folks learn from that, not everything may snap back like a rubber band. I like to think we might see a little bit more space for introverts to introvert in the workplace, Mm -hmm. as long as there's still quality production from them in whatever their field is. Right. And they've even done research studies that look at the function in an open office floor plan. Productivity actually goes down because your introverts within your system are so completely overstimulated that they can't produce at the level of those individuals who are even just in cubicles or have physical spaces to go and recharge or to go and find a place to work deeply somewhere. So it's really interesting that there is actual research being done about productivity. And really, during the pandemic, we saw productivity rise in a lot of organizations because people were able to focus and not be distracted and had that time to think deeply. Well, we have a little bit of a bias because we are right. all introverted. And yeah. Like, yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> that's what like, I need. That's yeah, what I right. Need. That's what I need. It makes me wonder, though, that we have to be careful as introverts not to 
so deeply advocate for this in such a way Mm -hmm. that it turns you into a hermit, as you said, Casey, earlier, that you're like, I don't want to do any socialization, or I want to be always alone. That's not necessarily healthy either. It's how do we find a healthy balance of what work environments do we need to be productive, but also understand that we are social creatures, and we are meant for community, and we are meant to be around and with people. That is just the part of our humanness. So as an introvert, I would just caution myself included, to not use it as a crutch to be able to always isolate or seclude yourself, but to know when is an appropriate time and also when is it time to be like, okay, I got to push myself and extend myself to do something that's outside of my comfort zone a little bit. I was going to say the way you mentioned that really reminded me of something that Casey had popped into the notes. And I think it's fascinating to think of the fact that those 21st century C skills, and again, I know there's a lot of debate over what they were, but that core four was always a part of the discussion. And to me, it seems like two of those were really like internally driven, that creativity, critical thinking seemed to be some of those things that like you could see being strengths for introverts, whereas the collaboration and communication is more of those extroverted skills. There's a reason why we stress all of those when we think about preparing people for the world, preparing ourselves for the world, some of them may be more natural to us, where some might take us more out of our comfort zone in terms of how we do that. But it's hard to really do the full job without any of them. I really <laughs> like, Jenny, what you said about knowing when to slide in and out of that collaboration realm. And I will just admit, this is my process. Whenever it comes to us working together and writing, I have to start independently first. I have to come up with an idea first. I do not function well in an environment where we have a blank piece of paper And we're expected to just create from there. It's knowing how we work, what we need, and then using our voices in order to say, this is what we need and this is how I need your assistance. The same thing is true for students. If we're always putting our students in groups and we're not giving them exposure to other ways of gathering information, so doing a think-pair-share allows that introvert time to collect their thoughts and builds them, scaffolds them towards sharing their ideas can be a really powerful way of doing both things, Jenny, that you're describing. You know, moving in and out so that everyone is able to get what they need in that learning environment. Yeah, and I think the same would be great for extroverts as well to challenge themselves to do some of that reflection and internal processing, the cognitive processing that they might tend to shy away from because they excel so much in the collaborative Mm -hmm. sphere, but it's also an important skill to develop within your extroverted students or learners as well. I also think it's important to note, we've been talking about how introverts function in this world, but I also want to bring up something about extroverts. And really, extroverts, studies have shown, have a tendency to take more risks, which is why they're often more visible and more seen and often are more likely to receive promotions because our introverted folks were less likely to take those risks. So if you are an extrovert and you work with someone more introverted, Emily, you were talking about that balance, right? Being able to connect with that person to really Mm -hmm. help you reflect because introverts, we are amazing at asking questions. One of them is on this podcast right now, Jenny Libri. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Being able to ask amazing questions to get people thinking, that can be a way of assessing whether or not a risk 
is worth taking. That's why we found ourselves in the housing crisis of 2008, according to Kane's book. So many extroverts were taking these massive financial risks, and the introverts who told them to stop, no one listened. So in our last segment, we're going to be talking about some hacks that extroverts can use when working or collaborating with introverts. What's a first one? So I tend to look at this through the lens of what do I wish more extroverted leaders or colleagues do for me? Or what am I really, really happy when they do do these things for me? And I think we've mentioned some of them already in a roundabout way Mm -hmm. when we're talking about how they fit in in education. So for instance, one of the things you mentioned is this idea of providing sections of the work time at least that are asynchronous Casey I Mm -hmm. think that was like the first thing that you said that really like boom yeah that totally is our workflow and like yeah you and I tend to often start writing asynchronously and then later we come together and do 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 brainstorm a lot of really good ideas come from that more structured time to think time Mm -hmm. together time to think again providing some asynchronous structures and work And tied into that is that flexibility. So I talked about earlier that workplace, if you work in an office in your school, that is very much an open concept where all of your desks are clustered together, giving people some flexibility on where and how they can work so that they can work and create an environment that would allow them to be the most productive. If you're in that leadership position, making sure you have that flexibility. Shout out to blended learning. Yep. (laughs) The other one that comes to mind, this is something that you hear about in your early undergrad work of becoming a teacher is that teacher wait time is Mm -hmm. crucial for your students and their thinking and their processing. But even to extend that further, when you're thinking about working in groups, teams, young learners, adult learners, whatever it might be, wait and processing time before big decisions is huge as well. Oftentimes, we want to go quickly to be efficient. But you've heard of that go slow to go fast mentality. Because sometimes if you're going too fast, in a roundabout way, you're going to take longer because of missteps or not being as calculated with those big decisions might actually have you stumble a little bit. So having some weight processing time or allowing for your introverted thinkers to have that processing time so they can weigh in on those big decisions before you move ahead. Yeah, my mom says haste makes waste a lot. So it's that idea of just slowing things down and possibly saving more time even in the long run just by doing things intentionally to start with. We mentioned this earlier, but noticing and naming who makes up your team, who is in your most trusted circle, and how are they regarded by you or others, specifically the introverted people within your system. It's funny you say that because I'm thinking about, I don't know, I feel like sometimes it's like you need to adapt. If you're introverted, you need to adapt to the system or you Mm -hmm. need to adapt to society. Like, what is it about being introverted that you need to change about yourself so that you can fit in better in a an extroverted world when is that really what we want no no we want that balance one of the things i was thinking while we were talking about this too even just another structure that we can put into place to get the voices of our introverts a little bit more so we've talked a lot about providing space and letting them work within their lane or things that would balance that out but even just a way of providing them more opportunities to make their voices heard by providing other ways of communication that are not always face-to-face, let's brainstorm, conference room, five minutes. Mm -hmm. Really instead saying, okay, 
here's an email communique, think this over, everybody respond by such and such a date, or even just ways of people sharing written or even recorded, like you mentioned with our podcast. This idea of being able to take your time and consider your feedback or your response to something is gold to introverts and to hearing your introverts. And Jenny, I love that you brought in that so often it feels like because of our culture of personality, there's something wrong with an introverted person. Why don't you speak up? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And really what our hacks are all about is allowing for better balance, helping our extroverts meet our introverts halfway and our introverts meet our extroverts halfway because then you don't build up that resentment and your system is able to be healthy and thrive. Yeah, and you can honor each other rather than despise one or the other because it doesn't necessarily go with your preferred way of operating. Right. So let's pivot now to talking about introverts. How can we lean into our strengths and really help not only ourselves, but others and the extroverts know what we need. One of the things I would say initially is this idea of jumping in, but jumping in with something that you're skilled at. The world and the workplace still expects people to jump in with both feet. Yes, I want to help. Yes, I want to get involved with this project. But when you see something that maybe has some of that space for you to think and process, or maybe they really need a planner or they need a more reflective eye on something. Introverts, if you see something where there's an opportunity for your skill set and your needs to be met, jump in with both feet, volunteer, get in there, but do your thing while you're doing it. Right. The beautiful thing about introverts is we can move more into and appear more extroverted when we're talking about something we are passionate about about when we believe in something when it aligns to our core values so for example if you are an introvert and you choose a profession like a lawyer or a (laughs) prosecutor and if it doesn't align with your values you're really going to struggle in that work but if you value education you value learning A classroom teacher is a perfect job for you because it aligns with that core value. So you're leaning into your strengths. So it's going to feel like less work to move towards extroversion. Another thing I would say is we talked a lot early on about the misconceptions that surround the introverts and what they need. And one of the things we mentioned was needing that processing time or really about that recharge. This seems like a gimme, but I still think we'd be remiss Mm -hmm. not to mention it. Find that restorative niche. Find that thing that you do by yourself. And like Casey mentioned, what she does with, you know, if you need to not be asked questions after a hard day, (laughs) punch that out for yourself because... The world isn't necessarily going to do it for you. So you have to advocate for the things that you need to be able to get that processing time. And again, I know it's a particular struggle for those of us with families and young kids extroverting all day in the education world. And then you come home and you extrovert some more with your family. But even if it's just 20 minutes here and there, it can make such a big difference. Yeah. And the more open you are about that, especially I'm just thinking in my own household where I have the words and the vocabulary to explain to my husband what I need. He may not understand because he's extroverted and it's a little different for him how he works through that. 
but it's a lot less like, oh, you're self-isolating and that's not what we need. But this is what I need to be a better version of myself, not only as a mother and as a spouse, but also as an employee and a professional in the other sense. If you're not giving yourself that space, you're not going to be able to operate at your highest potential. And it's even finding those little moments in the middle of an extroverted event. So if you're having to do a presentation, it's okay to tell people that you don't want to go to lunch and talk (laughs) additionally because you need that time to kind of re-energize and recollect your thoughts before the next round starts. So being clear and upfront with people as best you can to say, oh, like I really just need to get up and go for a walk. That's a great way to build yourself in that restorative niche. Casey's like smiling right now. I can tell she's used that strategy (laughs) recently. (laughs) But I need it. And I don't don't want people to think that it's because I'm antisocial. It's just I am physically drained and I need that time to myself. The other thing that we as introverts do lean on asking questions and have that questioning come from a genuine place of inquiry and wanting to know more because that really is a way that we can encourage the extroverts that we work with to slow down and think and process without it coming off as a defensive exchange. As introverts too, we're experts at listening because that's really what we're doing when we're in a room. And so being able to take in information in order to mirror back what that other person is saying is also a superpower. So what are some takeaways from our episode today? My big takeaway was this idea of balance that you guys. Have- it, you stole mine. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> not gonna come up with one. Another one. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, I'll give you some processing time. Yeah, we- <laughs> I need more now. Take it. I, I mean, and you can maybe maybe flesh out some of these ideas a little bit more. But it's this idea of what you guys mentioned in providing space for collaborative and the communicative activities where people are really bringing their brains together, but framing around it opportunities for people to mentally prepare, jot down some ideas, and then come away from it, have reflective time. So with learning spaces or collaborative teams to really provide opportunities, especially if you're a leader or somebody who structures the time of other people, providing that balance and those opportunities for people to do the things that they do strongly. How about Casey, you go, it gives me a little more think time. Processing time. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. For me, it's a twofold. It's a two-parter. I loved, Jenny, you bringing up the fact that as an introvert, there is nothing wrong with you. You don't need to change who you are or the way you recharge. If you can find a thing that you are passionate about that brings that gregarious voice out of you, that's a way that you can show the world the amazing things that you are capable of. So you can choose to grow, you can choose to evolve and get better at sliding into extroversion, but there is nothing wrong with an introvert, adult or child. I love that. I do. It's true. And the other thing that comes to mind, yes, a little bit along the lines of balance, but even to take it a little step further is, yeah, we talked a lot about the world being an extroverted place. And maybe it's evolving depending on all of that has happened over the last several months to almost a couple of years with the pandemic. But what I think is interesting is that it's not necessarily that 
we have to change who we are or extroverts have to change who they are. It's not one is better over another. It's really acknowledging and knowing the strengths of both so that we can kumbaya together. All right, we're ready for a game? Game time. So we have episode a, without one. I know. Yeah. So segment game time. We are playing the introverted editions. That's our theme. Our first question is a this or that. Which would we rather do? Netflix binge or a good book? This question breaks my heart. <laughs> I, I wrote like, it. I'm but like, it how does she choose? How does she choose? I don't even know what to do right now. One of you guys has to go first. I could go easy. Netflix binge all the way. It's easier. If I'm in an introverted, I need a recharge. For me, it is easier to slide into a Netflix binge because my tastes with books are very specific and it can take a little bit longer to find and fall in love with one for me. Not to mention your, what I often call, our listeners may not know, your Mary Poppins bag where you always have a bunch of books (laughs) in your bag that you're ready to pull out at any time. Most of those are professionally driven. So you're probably still, your brain's on work when you're doing a lot of your reading. Yeah. Not trying to be a contrarian here, but I'm actually going to say good book. And it's just because of my tendency to like fold laundry or do other stuff when I'm Netflixing. When I'm reading, I have to focus on the reading. And that's the only thing that I'm doing. I can't read and hang out with my kids. I can't read and fold laundry. I just read. So that is a way to ensure that my head is still in that quiet space. So I'm going to go with the book. Not contrarian at all. It's just extra balance. All right. (laughs) All right, another would you rather. So would you rather schmooze at a party where you know only the very busy host or play karaoke roulette in a room full of strangers? Casey, are you itchy yet? Is this making you itchy? (laughs) (laughs) I am going to go first on this one because this one was easy for me. I'm choosing karaoke roulette. And here is why. Strangers. So it's not like... (laughs) I have to deal with the judgment or opinion of these people later. I'm just like, okay, I did this horrible thing and nobody enjoyed it, but I don't have to see you ever again. Whereas at least I would see that busy host again. So yeah, my awkwardness could still be noted later. Whereas in karaoke, you'll just whatever. (laughs) I'm going to steal a comment from Emily. Is there a dog at the party? (laughs) Because if there's a dog, I'll go to the party. If there's no dog... I would probably choose karaoke roulette in a room full of strangers as well, just because I feel more awkward in a situation where I know someone and I really would prefer to hang on that person and talk to that person. So I I just feel more discomfort when that person leaves my side. So probably the and I love music more. Lean in on that. As we've learned from the Pop Culture Playground oh, Queen yeah. edition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For sure. Pick a good Queen song and go. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Well, here we go. We're all three on the same page because I would also choose the play karaoke roulette in a room full of strangers. But my rationale is slightly different and embarrassing as well. As of late, I've really gotten into singing in my car alone. Like I have these dreams of, oh, what if I had actually learned how to really sing? I wish I had taken some kind of choir courses or something like that and really learned because I actually very much enjoy singing. So I would pick that one. And our final question, tell us about the first fictional introvert you were exposed to. So this question really ties back to something we've said on the podcast before, where representation matters. Who do you remember first seeing yourself in as an introvert? 
So mine was, I had very little self-awareness as a child. I was so worried about what other people were thinking that I really wasn't doing a lot of reflecting. And it wasn't until I was a teacher where I really felt like I saw myself in a book. And that was in Jane Eyre. So she is quiet. And until she really finds something that she feels strongly and passionate about and is worth fighting for, that's where she speaks up. So I truly appreciated that book because I felt like it was me. That's so deep, Casey. I'll go next so that Emily can go from first to last here. So I'll go in the middle here. And mine is not deep at all. And I'm actually kind of embarrassed to say this out loud. Mine aren't either, mine aren't either Jenny. You're okay. <laughs> okay, I always go deep, ladies. I remember that. I'm the worst. Uh, so this isn't like from my childhood. But um, speaking of kind of tying it to the Netflix binging, except this is like book binging the Twilight series. Oh, and I can't. <laughs> <and> I, <laughs> So Bella Swan, I mean, kind of a little bit. Casey's like ready to vomit in her (laughs) mouth a little bit. But come on, give it a chance. Give it a chance. (laughs) I'm so I read it too. She is an introvert. She's totally an introvert. And come on, it's vampires and they're like sparkly. And all vampires are introverts, right? They have to be. (laughs) What I like about her is that she doesn't conform. Yeah, she is a little... I mean, the acting is questionable, (laughs) but the story, the book, I'm talking the book, not the movies. She does take her time to be by herself. And it's the people that she really, well, when you think of Edward, he really gets to know her on a much deeper level than that superficial extroverted, let's all just be in high school and be popular kind of way. So Casey still just cannot handle it. I I read one page of that book and I said, I can't. I can't do it. I can't. Oh, I loved them. I'm sorry to say. I read all of them. But yeah, I was a YA librarian at the time. How do you not? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm out. (laughs) So Casey's book references to my book references. Very different. Emily, where what do you got? Mine aren't deep either, but I'm like, I read early, read often, read everything, and I can think of some childhood ones, actually, so they're not deep either, because they're kids' books. I'm gonna date myself again. Babysitter's Club, you had Marianne. Marianne was like... like just the quiet girl who'd like but she got stuff done she kept things organized so you're not completely like me but she also was a very valued introverted member of that team and when she wasn't with them they would really suffer because they needed her to provide that balance and i was like that was great i could even keep going like encyclopedia (laughs) brown he was like the quiet one and people would just come to him for help and he would just sit there and think for a while and people would just sit there and stare at him while he like figured out what the solution was. There were a few really cool childhood book characters that I would look to. Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I <laughs> loved him. I loved Rupert Giles. He was awesome. But he was that same all-knowing sage. He was quiet, mm-hmm. reserved, would always take his glasses off. And <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So that is one from my childhood. Yep, there you go. Those are Veach approved. Those are Veach yep. approved. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, not Jenny. Twilight. I'm, just still, not Twilight. I'm still recovering from that. It's going to take me some time. I need to retreat back to my lair. <laughs> I think Casey has a new opinion of me. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to talk <laughs> oh, about man. that. What's coming up next? Emily, would you give us a little preview of what our listeners can look forward to in the coming weeks? 
Yeah, sure thing. So we're really excited about our next episode because we're going to be dusting off one of our very favorite games from season one, the Milk Margarita Malort game. If any of you had listened back to the episode Love in the Time of Corona from season one, we are bringing it back on, but with a particular focus on adult learning experience design and with one of our very favorite people, the ultra-talented Lindsay Zilly. So we cannot wait for that. And then the episode after that, we are looking to discuss the idea behind design thinking and the creativity and types of solutions that can be generated from thinking about things through a design perspective. And that's with another super awesome guest, one of our favorite humans, Kristen Lajeunesse Roach. So we cannot wait to talk to these guests. We cannot wait to share these wonderful people with you. So please join us for these upcoming episodes. They'll be a treat. And that's it for this episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. Many thanks to you for choosing to engage with our guild's content as we passionately continue to advocate for adult learners with transparent conversations about the world of education, impactful leadership, and the power of high-functioning teaming. If you'd like to connect with the guild, the power of the PLN continues. You can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, and on Twitter, at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at TechCoachM, and at Jenny Labrie using the hashtag GLGPodChat. Feedback is a powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't yet already, or if you're finding us for the first time, how about leaving us a review? It helps us to improve our work, allows us to bring you quality and customized content, and assists others in finding our guild as well. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream. Thanks again for joining us. Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the next Guild meeting. And in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.